You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, thank you, Will Levis. We appreciate the fact that you and the Kentucky Wildcats value hidden yardage so much. I'm Mark Lane. QB1 right there. Yeah, that's right. And that's Sean Martin. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. It's Sean Martin NFL. What did you think of that, Sean? Oh, it's just awesome to hear. I mean, look, you watch this Kentucky offense, and he's not lying. You know, it was all about hidden yardage yardage of that team and you know the way they can stretch the field was good too but yeah they pick it up on the ground and you know I certainly appreciate him saying that we'll get some mileage on that no doubt yeah yeah so um you know to not to get off on Will Levis but um I was trying to oh yeah it was Daniel Jeremiah I think I mentioned this last podcast he compared Will Levis to Dak Prescott and of course what's funny about Daniel Jeremiah on a conference call is he's constantly saying, you know, I don't mean to compare players. You know, I rarely compare players, but every time there's a player comparison, any time he talks about a prospect, and that was his for Will Levis, was Dak Prescott. You can kind of see the similarities, sort of moving pocket stuff. Maybe that's not quite as much of Dak Prescott's recent game, but, you know, certainly if you can think back to his rookie season, that was a huge part of his game as far as being able to bootleg and hide the ball and those types of things. You know, you certainly see all of that in, in Levis's game, including a pretty good deep ball to Prescott's shown as well. Yeah, now the Cowboys, uh, they're coming out of the NFL combine, going free agency upcoming, going through the NFL draft process. They, they're going to stick with Dak Prescott. Don't believe the clickbait. But what I don't, but what I think may be clickbait coming out of the Cowboys themselves is trying to keep Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. That sounded like the plan from Jerry on the bus on Friday was the fact that they were going to put the franchise tag on Tony Pollard and then try to work something out to keep Ezekiel Elliott. I just. Do you think that's the actual plan? It seems like part of it, you know, it's hard to, you know, put a, a scale or a number grade, if you will, on, you know, how much we should believe everything that either Jerry or Steven says these days. But, you know, for now, it's all we have to go with. And these decisions are still, you know, a couple of days or weeks ahead. So, you know, sitting here today, we have to believe that if they say that's the plan and that could be a version of it. And you look at, you know, the running back class in this draft and as well as comparing that to who they met with. And it's encouraging from the standpoint of the type of back they're looking to potentially complement Tony Pollard if that's the only player that you keep and there is no Ezekiel in this hypothetical. The back team would want to complement Pollard with the guys they've met with are similar type players, right? You know, those 
modern day scat back type and you know scat back might be kind of a not a negative term but a taboo type of thing to where you know you say that and it automatically suggests that the guy can't block or whatever but you know certainly the speed back type of guy is more of what Tony Pollard could do and it's more of what you want to see in this new Mike McCarthy slash Brian Schottenheimer offense and you know the only thing missing then is you goal line tight back which is what Ezekiel Elliott was for you but you know I'll say the same thing we used to talk about the safety position on this show and you know, all, all those years of why don't the Cowboys have a good safety and then we appreciate what they have for guys like Donovan Wilson who might be on the way out too. It's like how many championship teams do you really talk about the reason they're being successful because of the safeties? I think you can say the same, if not more so, about goal line running backs, you know? <laughs> like, look at the rushing performance that the Eagles put up in the Super Bowl, of course, in a losing effort, but still. But look at the performance they put up and, you know, a guy like Boston Scott, do you need – a guy like him, or do you need to pay Ezekiel Elliott to have that type of production anymore? I don't think you need to, you know, stress yourself over having what Ezekiel Elliott means to this team anymore. But it's not surprising to hear that, you know, the Joneses still have a kind of elevated view of what Ezekiel Elliott means to the Cowboys. More silver and blue colored glasses in terms of getting the most out of him when other teams probably wouldn't expect him to be as productive as a Tony Pollard or a new rookie pick they can get in here. Um, so that's why the plan for now seems to be to run it back with the same two running backs being Pollard and Elliott both being here. Yeah, but the thing is they can have, um, you know, blue-colored glasses towards a lot of players, and then they get rid of them. For example, uh, Troy Aikman, they just cut him, you know, outright because his contract was too big in a, in. I think it was April of 2001. Um, Emmett Smith, Bill Parcells got here. They just cut him, you know. Um, and then Tony Romo, they just cut him in 2017. Demarcus Ware in 2014 offseason, they cut him, you know, when he wasn't really agreeing to a pay cut. So with these legends like that, and I think – in some way, Ezekiel Elliott is a legend. Um, they eventually choose business. Now, let me. Here's what I think may happen with Ezekiel Elliott: is I think look at his contract right now. If Dallas cuts him, let's say he doesn't agree to anything, and so Dallas cuts him, they will pay eleven point eight six million in dead money against the salary cap, but somehow they save 4.86 according to um, over the cap. Now, if the Cowboys cut Ezekiel Elliott after June 1st, so that means after you've had your rookie mini camps, after you've had uh, your off-season workout going, after you've had, I think, two OTAs up to this point, um, if they cut Ezekiel Elliott, it costs them $5.82 million in dead money against the salary cap, but they save $10.9 million against the salary cap. And then for the next two years after that, $4.3 dead money, $10 million saved, $1.72 dead money, $15.4 million saved, and then in 20. 26, they save 
16.6 million against the salary cap. I wonder if they keep Pollard, which is what they really actually want to do, but they keep Ezekiel Elliott just in case the rookie doesn't exactly get up to speed or Elliott still has something to prove. And if he doesn't, then they can at least cut him near the um, uh, the cut down day at the end of preseason. So at least he has a chance to catch on elsewhere when the hamstrings and everything have bitten all of the other depth across the league. And kind of adding Fjordan Affire was another Mike McCarthy quote at the combine talking about, you know, the run game and how he thought maybe kind of hinted at the idea that Kyle Moore was a bit pass happy, which is kind of a ridiculous thing to hear, right? You know, considering that Kyle Moore was such a Jerry and Steven hire, you know, he was the Jones's boy that they brought up and were proud of and all that. And, you know, so we, if we buy into this narrative that, the Joneses also want to see the run game. You know, why was their offensive coordinator pass happy? So I don't know, you know, how much we should read into every word of that. But he did have good things to say about the run game in terms of believing in it and wanting to rest Dan Quinn's defensive course, which is a big, going to be a big part of the team still moving forward since they were fortunate enough to get Dan Quinn back in the fold here as your coordinator for another year. And, you, you know, like I talked about last week and before, it means you can really – lean into your identity being on defense and how do you complement that? Well, it is with a physical run game, but it doesn't mean just pigeonhole yourself into another year of Ezekiel Elliott as the lead back just because you want to be a physical running team. But McCarthy did say that you know, he wants to still work on those concepts and be a running football team. So, you know, with that, you might think that, like you said, you don't want to put all the pressure on just Pollard and a rookie draft pick. And the other option would be to keep Elliott at that point. Is this a quote that you're, referring to where McCarthy says, quote, um, philosophically, it doesn't do anything. It's just where the changes are made from personnel decisions isn't more than a schematic approach. But philosophically, you've got to play with some relative balance, and it's not always how many runs. The big thing I pay attention to is the touches. Ball distribution, you want your running backs to touch it, 35 times a game, but you don't necessarily have to hand it to them. So that part of it, too, finding more touches for Tony or Zeke or the back, it doesn't always have to be a handoff, unquote. Is that what you're talking about? Right, and there was another quote that um, R.R. Day Ochoa covered as well that had to do with that. But, you know, it's interesting to hear in terms of being able to throw the ball to your running back because I would say, and I think most Cowboys fans would agree with this, even in Ezekiel Elliott's prime here with the Cowboys, you know, as soon as his rookie year where he, you know, came on the scene and had the best offensive line of football to run behind and it was, you know, okay, off to the races, here we go. Even still, he wasn't the pass catcher that he could have been out of Ohio State. You know, it is not, you know, bashing him or a stretch by any means to say that at no point in his NFL career so far has he lived up to the expectations in the pass game where he could be the threat that he was. You know, it's been a little bit of a disappointment in that way. Now, it hasn't really hurt the team as much because they just don't simply call those plays to, you know, to rely on him in the passing game. But even still, when his number was called, you know, that production just wasn't there. Well, we thought it might be if you got, you know, the full Ohio State Zeke. So, you know, that's why you need a guy like Paul Ward or you need another back to advance this offense to have a guy to throw to. And 
you know, that is the most exciting thing probably just in the offseason, very early stages of McCarthy's offensive install to look forward to is, you know, Prescott having more of those answers in the passing game, having more of those checkdowns and ways to get the ball out of his hands. And hopefully that's a way to cut down on the turnovers and interceptions. You know, you look back at the tape on some of these turnovers and it's because he's holding on to the ball, trying to figure out, you know, which stop route to squeeze the ball in between a linebacker and a safety. And, you know, it's a tough way to ask a football team to move the ball, you know, late in the season when everybody knows your stuff you're running and everyone knows your scheme. So if Prescott can consistently have those, you know, checkdowns and ability to get the ball out of his hand, it can certainly make up for deficiencies on the offensive line, which he may or may not have, depending on, you know, how they evaluate those positions. And, you know, I do think that's the best thing that McCarvey's offense going forward could have going for it. Just a matter of who they see being that checkdown option outside of Pollard, because certainly the answer there isn't Ezekiel Elliott. You know, the only thing Ezekiel Elliott is the answer to at this point is your physical short yardage type of running game. And, there is value there. I just don't know if he's the name that needs to be, you know, the guy who gives you that value as opposed to who else you can find that give you that same type of production. Yeah, and Ezekiel Elliott has a uh, locker room value too. Uh, he's somebody that everybody likes. He's good for morale. I don't think that that can be denied, but uh, relative to production on the field, it's a little bit lacking. I just, I, I think that this is, like I said, a shielding technique, maybe to throw off uh, people as to what their real plans are at running back. I just can't imagine that they're going to roll in 2023 with Ezekiel Elliott entering his eighth year and Tony Pollard rehabbing from that broken fibula. Oh, and that's the run game. I, and, uh, you know, the short passing game. I just, I, I think that they will go with a running back probably in the fourth round, day three, uh, maybe a priority free agent that they really like and not like, you know, a Malik Davis type of situation. I mean, someone that they really think can handle the load. Kind of like what James Robinson was for the Jaguars in um, 2021. I think it was 2020, actually. I I just don't – I think they get younger at running back. Yeah, it's only a good time for it, you know, even if you – I know you've brought up before and we've talked about it, the whole idea of, you know, how much are they preparing for both a future with McCarthy if he's successful as well as – you know, a future without him where you need to start cleaning house and those types of things. Well, you know, even if you do clean house, a new coach is going to want to see, you know, a capable running back, you know, to certain positions that transcend scheme and coaching. And you don't have to worry about, you know, oh, the new coach is going to want someone else here who's not a scheme fit. You know, running backs do have scheme fits, but still you want to be able to build that way. And, you know, you'll have Dak Prescott and a capable running back at that point. That's a good starting point as opposed to completely starting over but the main focus, of course, not the whole side of it, is still to win under McCarthy right now. There's no doubt about that. So whatever he needs in terms of rebuilding on the fly, which is something we've talked a lot about, to get new running backs in here that can run his offense and give Prescott those check down options, that's what they're going to do. So, you know, whether it's the fourth round, like you said, that would be one thing. And I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, even an earlier pick than that on day two um, to really get that job done and move on from Ezekiel Elliott in a way that can be productive. Well, running back is 
one area that they need to address, but there's other areas on the roster, and we've had the NFL Combine now, so we've had a chance to take a look at all of these prospects go through the Underwear Olympics. Is there anyone that sticks out to you that you'd like to see Dallas pick up now that the Combine's finished? So these Maryland cornerbacks always start to show, right? you got both Deontay Banks and Devin Witherspoon, and you know, made up a secondary that probably didn't get a lot of national attention. You know, how many people were turning into Maryland football? They did almost upset Ohio State. I remember watching that game, and, you know, speaking of Ohio State, that means they went up against, you know, guys like Jackson uh, Smith and Jigger and some great wide receivers there. So these Maryland corners, like I said, battle-tested, and count me in as a fan of Deontay Banks. You know, he's a guy that should be available, certainly at the – 26 overall pick, he would be a good compliment to Trayvon Diggs based on the way he plays in run support and also is pretty forward in man coverage. So, you know, I think continuing to add to Dan Quinn's defense is certainly a good idea and the right way to go. And you have some free agency decisions to make on some of the more veteran players in the secondary. So time to get younger there, time to invest in another first-round pick, I would say, is a good way to go. Deontay Banks out of Maryland is a corner that you know, can really play physical, play the way that Dan Quinn wants, and give you a nice compliment to Trayvon Diggs in both the pass and run game. Well, someone that I liked was uh, Broderick Jones from Georgia, um, just because all even though Jerry on the bus said Tyron Smith comes back, you know, uh, and we're going to reassemble the Avengers and all that, but um, – <laughs> No, Jones could be an Avenger, man. He's a mauler in the run game. Yeah, you could sign me up for him, too. That's a good point. Yeah, um, but but I still think they need to get ready for the post-Tyron, and I don't want to scare a bunch of people now, but guess who's entering their 10th season this year? That's right, Zach Martin. So you also got to be thinking of the post-Zach Martin world, and I think that Broderick Jones uh, with the Tyler Smith – You've got just a collection of versatility that you can work with. And like I said, the post-Tyron Smith, which I still think they got a plan for, and the post-Zach Martin era. And I think Jones helps with that in, say, year three, year four of his rookie contract. I could picture Roderick Jones being who you thought Tyler Smith might be if Tyler Smith played left guard this year. You know, like he plays the position like you know that type of guard that you thought you were getting in Smith, who then you forced out the tackle, and you know we all watched him and said, "Oh well, what do we know? We got to keep ball left tackle. That's pretty cool too." So you know that's a more valuable position, of course, to one of the most valuable on your entire team, and it's where, of course, Tyler Smith played most of his career up until now. Where now we're talking about having to have that contingency plan without him, which, you know, certainly, like you said, I think is the right idea. So now you have Tyler Smith there. You feel good about it. You saw him this year. If the plan is for him to also play a little bit of guard still, then you'll, you know, see some of that Project Jones type of ability. But then if you add in a player like Jones as well, you know, it just reinforces what you're trying to get to with the offensive line, that physical run game still being a point of emphasis. He can really help in a lot of ways. So there's so much to like about just – you know, of course, the pedigree he comes from, his blue chip like the Cowboys like, played on national championship teams. What more could you ask for under Kirby Smart there? And fills a position of need that they still have. Yeah, and um, I think you always need to get cornerbacks in any draft uh, just because 
Uh, well, not really cornerbacks. Just basically defensive backs. Uh, I think you need to keep your defensive back covered stock because usually these guys grow up on special teams. Uh, this is where you can get your C.J. Goodwin replacement. Uh, this is somebody that maybe could push Nashawn Wright and uh, Kelvin Joseph. But uh, I think that if Dallas looked at either Houston's Gervarius Ward or maybe Ohio State's Ronnie Hickman, who they had informal interviews with, uh, if they looked at them and, you know, the at a, at, at a position in the draft that makes sense, maybe a day three type of pick, I think that that might help them out. Yeah, that Ohio State kid kind of reminds me of, like, prime Anthony Brown, like, when he came on the scene and was it 2016 and, you know, we all were kind of amazed, like, where, where did we get this kid? You know, he really just was, you know, running with some of the best receivers in the game and was making plays in the ball that we hadn't seen from a Dallas defensive back in years prior to that. Like, you know, now it's kind of the norm and, you know, credit Dan Quinn for that. And, of course, Trayvon Diggs and the guys who make those plays. But up until that, it was really just Anthony Brown, his first season, you know, getting his hand on the ball and knocking it down and, we weren't used to seeing that type of play. And, you know, so those are the type of corners that we can expect the team to go after moving forward now. If they know they have somewhat of a future under Quinn and they can do that, you know, in a variety of these rounds here just because it is one of the deeper position groups in this draft. And then maybe this is playing to the Metroplex crowd a little bit, but I think you may see a pick like this just because of the situation with Cooper Rush and also, if you look at Mike McCarthy's draft history going back to Green Bay, um, I think a quarterback. I think if they do a sixth or seventh round on Max Dugan from TCU, I think that you know that might make a little sense. Have your uh, new Ben DiNucci, if you will. Oh, man. <laughs> and DiNucci uh, hanging on of what Seattle and the XFL, but... You know, even before Jerry on the bus, uh, you know, the Cowboys were hinting at potentially taking a quarterback and looking towards Duggan is the right idea because he was at the Senior Bowl, which the Cowboys have, have a long, really clear history of taking players from the Senior Bowl. I mean, it dates back years at this point that they've had multiple years. They've taken multiple players from the Senior Bowl, but it's been at least one for a long time now. So it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be Duggan, of course, but he was there and that raises the Raised the flag on the Cowboys being in, interested in sexy other boxes of, you know, position they need and the Metroplex uncle kids. So, yeah, like I said, even before Jerry on the bus, it's, they were hinting at taking a quarterback in this draft and he reinforced it there at the combine where we got a good look at, you know, some of, of course, the first round expected quarterbacks are really still to so, but the later round guys too, yeah, we can expect them to be in on. So not just Duggan, but a quarterback anywhere in this draft is going to be an expected pick if you really pay attention uh, as a Cowboys fan out there. Yeah, and so Dallas, they're just going to be making picks throughout the NFL draft, but everybody's focused on, as always, in the mock drafts, round one. It's usually where it stops. Maybe you might get lucky and someone decides to do a two-round mock draft. Oh, boy, which doesn't really help if your team – isn't picking until round three, but then it's just like, oh, I got nothing to work with here. But anyway, um, let me ask you this, Sean. Who, when these mock drafts come out 
and the Cowboys with their 27th overall pick. What pick usually angers you, whether a position or a player? Which ones just kind of get your goad? So I wanted to give this more thought in terms of like really coming up with a kind of a deep answer that like was more nuanced and like, you know, a player that made sense, but I just wanted to make like a more detailed case. So like, yeah, it makes sense. But what if you went this way and then, you know, offered some wisdom on like, oh, you can get that type of value in the second round and really get into it. But that would be pointless because of one particular player who I think, you know, is polarizing and is a clear answer for me to this question, and that's none other than, and I'm recording this in Austin, so, you know, I'm going to get a tomato thrown in my window or something, but Texas's Bijan Robinson, the running back, you know, I get it, all the cases for him, he's more than just a running back, he, you know, we heard that about Ezekiel Elliott, and now he could be fresh legs, and that type of player with the pass blocking, and pass catching, and the downhill running style, I get all of that, but it's just not the right time, you know, for this team to invest another first-round pick, in a running back, it always comes back to bite you in terms of realizing other roster needs that you wish you could have had at that time. And you realize you're thin somewhere and you look back at it and say, well, hey, this running back is playing great, but now we can't cover. We can't get to the quarterback. We can't block, you know, whatever it is. It just always seems like you wish you had somebody else in terms of that first round back. Unless you're really just a rebuilding team that needs that piece to, you know, have any type of chance on offense. But you have enough to give you a chance on offense right now. Of course, we expect it to get better with you know receivers and tight ends potentially being added. So that would that would be the direction I hope to see if you are going to go offense in the first round and it's not offensive line like a Broderick Jones, like you said. But yeah, Texas is bizarre. Robinson, I know he's going to be a hot name all the way up until April, and you can go ahead and count me on the on the side of the fence. Just doesn't want to see that. If it happens, you know we can cope and deal with it. And know that you are still getting a player who's going to be productive no matter where it goes. I have no doubt about that. So certainly, Prescott would look forward to turning around and handing the ball to Robinson, much like he did Elliott those first couple of years. But does it go the longest possible way of helping your team in the long term to really be successful and get over the hump of beating the 49ers, which has been you know, what you're focusing on, when the 49ers can just run the ball against you and take advantage of your defense not being physical enough? I don't think he does any of those things, of course. So that's why I would like to see Robinson be the pick here at 26. I've, I've seen where Robinson is the pick. Uh, I think some odds people sent me some odds on that last week. Um, but, yeah, it's just – did I say 27th for the Cowboys? I meant 26th. I, I goofed it up. But, um, yeah, I, I – you know, I don't know that I'd be upset if they were truly best player available, but I don't know. I think there will still be better players on the board than running back. I mean, if Osiris Torrance is there at 26, I'd rather see that than, you know, Robinson. Um, it's a funny thing. I saw... On Sunday night, on NFL Network, LaDainian Tomlinson said that the Bears should go get Robinson. And like a trade-back scenario? <laughs> yes, in a trade-back okay, scenario. That's but yeah, going back, he, but he was saying like to get him in the top ten, 
you know, about right about where the Eagles are. But still, that's just to me crazy value for Robinson. He he doesn't strike me as a top ten, you know, player in the draft. Yeah, overall, you know, I'm not sure where he falls yet, just in terms of doing my own rankings. You know, we'll have to see about that. You know, I do think he is that, you know, prototypical five tool player and can do it all and, you know, deserves a high ranking somewhere in there. I was, I saw something about the Bears that I was surprised by in terms of they have one of the oldest rosters in the NFL, which you wouldn't think, you know, old roster usually translates to either you're in win now mode or you're in full getting ready to blow it up mode and it's hard to say which one of those two the Bears are in, you know. It's not quite win now just yet because you have Justin Fields but you need to surround him with more it's not quite blow it up because you also have Justin Fields, who is young, and you should be trying to build towards that. So if they want to accelerate that payoff to get good with Justin Fields, well, then, you know, a running back like Robinson does help. But just like I said, for his case in Dallas, only goes so far, and they would have, you know, those other needs to address. So if he doesn't make it all the way down to 26, you know, there is a tempting BPA argument to be made, but can't you decide in one of these offensive linemen and feel better about it then if you really don't want Robertson to be the pick, I think that's what most fans who would agree with that would say. So I'm certainly on that side of the fence when it comes to taking a running back almost anywhere in the first round. Yeah, for me, uh, my pick is Dalton Kincaid. I saw that in uh, Roy Orbison, I mean, Mel Kuyper's. uh, (laughs) What? Where did the Roy Orbison reference come (laughs) Because Mel Kuyper with his hair and his glasses reminds me of Roy Orbison. Okay. You know, it's just, anyway. Uh, well, I always have to let you finish the thought there. You can't just, like, say that and then disappear into the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what ROI Speedwagon is, but I know Roy Orbison is. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, God. Actually, to, so let me... Today, I, I was today years old, March 5th, Sunday night here, when I learned that the song Jersey Girl by Bruce Springsteen, which is a hit, of course, I learned today from a fellow New Jersey native who's here in Austin that, that song, and I didn't know this before today, like I said, I did not know this song was not his, actually. It was actually I forget who he said it was written by, but that, you know, I wouldn't believe it, but that song was written by someone who was familiar with Springsteen's work and like wrote it as like a spoof almost in terms of they want, like they didn't really get Springsteen's whole niche for a Jersey audience. So he wrote the song, like I'm going to write something that would sound like a Springsteen song to show that like, he's not that talented. Anybody can do this type of thing. And then Springsteen took it, ran with it and made it one of his hit songs that, you know, goes and gets the audience singing along every single night. So there you have it. Yeah, that's, that's real good. We got more Jersey stuff to talk about after Cowboys birthdays because you know this is this is a, a significant kicker to our program at every episode is uh you know basically jersey culture um but I don't even know Dalton Kincaid something to do with the Cowboys taking him and I don't like it there you go what we on who we did want to see get back well don't no I, I was too negative to go down that route, but I guess we can do that. Who do you want to see? Because to me, I feel like at 26, it's kind of like where they were last year. I mean, it's just kind of a BPA, you know? I'm so torn on a tight end thing. I've had like a pending article idea that I haven't actually sat down to write yet, but when I do, you can, of course, check it out at 
bloggingtheboys.com, but I went back and did the research for it. I just have to put it together in terms of, you know, I looked at the tight ends that Mike McCarthy had all throughout his entire tenure in Green Bay. And, you know, there were some recognizable names in there, of course, but his most productive tight ends are like a lot of relative no-name type of guys. So like on one hand, that should make you feel good about, you know, if they move on from Dalton Soltz, which seems likely, and put a lot of pressure back on Jake Ferguson and Peyton Henderson. You know, in one way, you used to feel okay about that and feel like those guys are ready to step up and exist in this kind of tight end friendly, get by without a star at that position type of offense. But at the same time, like, doesn't that just fall right back into the trap of, you know, continuing to just pile up the pressure on Dyke Prescott? There's only so many years we can continue to do this under Prescott until, you know, it's time to move on from him, where we keep saying, like, oh, you don't have to have a star here. Prescott can elevate it. Oh, we'll be fine because Prescott can make up for it. He can make up for this, that, the next thing. And then before you know it, you have, you know, it's a team that's not good enough no matter who's playing quarterback. I don't care if you have Patrick Mahomes and you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you have Dak Prescott, who, you know, is, of course, a step below that. So it's an interesting fence to be on in terms of the tight end position this offseason. You know, would it help you to go get a star there and, is there a need for that in this offense? Maybe. But at the same time, I think it's yet another position where you can just say that Prescott can elevate, you know, these guys, like I said, Ferguson and Henderson, but just don't fall into the trap of asking him to do that, that receiver offensive line again, you know, continue to get better at those positions, which is where the draft, you know, fits you pretty nicely in terms of having some prospects that really make sense there. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here, I'll solve the puzzle. Um... I saw one of the film guys, not one of the film guys, but I guess kind of like the practice squad for the film guys, let's say, on Twitter that posted a cut up of Dalton Kincaid doing something and was like, I, I never say this and I, I can't believe, you know, what the, he, this is first round talent right here. I'm not kidding. And 
It's just like, really? We're, we're going to spend the first round pick on a tight end? I mean, if you go back to 2008, you go back to 2000. I just picked 2008. Um, but if you go back to 2008, none of those tight ends ever really amounted to anything. And if they did, it was on their second contract, a la Eric Ebron. Uh, Tyler Eifert in 2013, he had injury problems, but no one else really amounted to anything. And all of the great tight ends in that span were guys taken um, later in the draft. Think of the great tight ends now. Kittle, Kelsey, they were taken later on in the draft. That's where you find good tight ends, and they develop on their rookie contracts. You don't just get a first-round tight end unless they're – do I mean, you think Dalton Kincaid is Tony Gonzalez? You know, that's what you really have to ask when you make those compare. a person makes those comparisons with Kincaid. And so, yeah, I think it is more of the just – if that covers it up type thing. And it's it's a weird thing how teams like the 49ers build rosters well enough to help their quarterbacks, not rosters porous enough. Their quarterback has to plug up all the holes. Well, that's exactly it. And, you know, this is kind of redundant too, but to add to that, you know, let's not forget where the Cowboys are picking at 26. You know, you hear this every year. Um, that's why I said it's kind of redundant, but you are – usually into your second round grades at that point. So, you know, this whole, oh, we're going to take a tight end in the first, really what you're talking about there for the Cowboys pick is, oh, we're going to take, you know, the best second round player potentially that we still have left. And I have a hard time believing that's any tight end. You know, when you look at all your potential second round grades across every position group, you're going to have somebody there who was either a first round grade still, luckily, or, you know, a second rounder that's higher up than the tight end. So that's why it's hard to see a pick like Kincaid or any of these guys um, falling to 26. Yeah, and uh, that's just the way that it is, is the Joneses are going to do what they want. Oh, kind of like that they did at the NFL Combine this past week, Sean. So let me tell you a story, all right? I planned my whole past three months over Stephen Jones speaking Monday at about 2 o'clock Indianapolis time at the Combine, okay? Because it's what he had done the past three NFL Combines that they have had, all right? Is he's spoken at 2 o'clock on Monday at in Indianapolis, all right? Right outside of this particular ballroom in the at the uh, convention centers. And I get down there on Monday, and he's, he doesn't speak that day. And, I mean, even the mothership was befuddled as to when exactly he was going to speak. And so he spoke the next day on Tuesday at noon. I had other commitments, and it was just impossible to be in two places at once. I think even in my most metahuman of days, it would have been impossible to do so. So 
you know, there he is talking Tuesday at at noon. And then Jerry was supposed to speak on Thursday at the Combine. And then he doesn't arrive until Friday night at like 7 o'clock. And then that's when they finally got to talk to him. And some members of the Dallas media had already flown out by that point because they just couldn't keep waiting and waiting and waiting on Jerry. And uh, there you go. That's just that's how everybody has spent their whole lives waiting on the Joneses to talk. And, you know, it's really like the opening of planes, trains, and automobiles, Sean, where that boardroom CEO is sitting there looking at those drawings and then it's about to speak. He's about to speak. He's about, and he goes back to cogitating upon which of the uh, renderings looks better. That's what it's like waiting on the Joneses to speak. Yeah, and I don't want to blow this out of proportion. And, you know, I would like to hear more, though, from you in terms of just in general, you know, what it's like to be in person there covering the combine and trying to, you know, chase around all these multiple storylines and, you know, what that day is like. But certainly a lot of Cowboys fans, we all know it, like to, you know, criticize the Joneses for, you know, not caring as much as they should about the on-field product and what have you and, you know, not being as serious as they need to be about football. So, you know, I'm not here to address, you know, whether or not, what I think about that right now, but you know, when you hear something like that, it can't help but make you think that it supports, you know, what those fans are saying in terms of how much they actually care about getting the job done at the combine. But you know, we did hear McCarthy say that he's using this time to continue to meet with the coaches and go over philosophies and things that are new offense. So that was encouraging. But yeah, you know, it makes you question those types of things, and you know, certainly uh, makes you want to stick to a schedule you know i know what that life is like no matter what sport you're covering or what media obligations you want to work towards um you know having a schedule and sticking to it is a good thing in, in a lot of ways so when the joneses break that yeah i can see why that was frustrating for you oh yeah it was frustrating but overall the combine was a big win all right let's get to some cowboys birthdays sean before we start to wrap it up on monday andre Drod he turns 45 years old. He was a center for Dallas from 02 to 2010, a pro bowler at that. On Tuesday, Billy Joe Dupree uh, played tight end from 1973 to 1983, and uh, he won a Super Bowl in 1977. He turns 73 on Tuesday. On Wednesday, Marcus Spears turns 40 years old. He played defensive end for Dallas from 2005 to 20. 12, a first-round pick. Everybody wish Marcus Spears a happy birthday on Wednesday. And then on Friday, Martellus Bennett, outspoken tight end, turns 36. He's with the team from 2008 to 2011. He caught four touchdown passes in his rookie season and then didn't catch another thereafter. And those are your Cowboys' birthdays. I don't know what made me feel older on today's show, the fact that you pointed out Zach Martin is entering year 10 or that Andre Garrod is turning 45. Uh, Yeah, it's, you know, like I said, I mean, it's one of those things. I, I play this game with my mom. I'm like, Mom, which makes you feel older, that your oldest kid is 53, that your youngest kid is 35, that your grandson is 30, or that you're youngest grandkid is um uh you know 12 you know which of these makes you feel older probably the oldest kid no yeah it's it's a toss-up it'd be a 
nice problem to have. All right, Sean, how disappointed are you that? Uh, By the way, though, where where was San Diego County, Texas? Um, because that's what you have written down for where Martellus Bennett is from. And like, what? <laughs> yeah, San Diego County, Texas, is a typo. So that's where Martellus okay. Bennett well, was born. I was about to look it up and have to learn that. He was the hard born ways. in Houston. <laughs> he was, yeah, he was born in Houston, graduate. Got of a well, I know what that is. I'm actually going to Houston for the first time next week. So. Oh, yeah, that that would be fun. Yeah. Um, just go on over there to do uh, the Discovery Green. You'll have a lot of fun. Um, but, Sean, how disappointed are you that Dan Quinn calls it a Taylor ham sandwich? Oh, extremely, yeah. So for our listeners, uh, you know, who who heard that Mark Lane mentioned that he was going to ask every Jersey native at the combine that he could whether or not they call it pork roll or Taylor ham, he did follow through on this and individually texted me that Dan Quinn calls it Taylor ham, and I cannot begin to express my disappointment. The only redeeming quality, of course, is that he leads one of the most entertaining, fun to watch, and talented defenses that I've seen in my entire lifetime as a Cowboys fan. So for that, we'll have to, of course, give him a pass. But, you know, I can't say I'm too surprised. It just seems like he's the type of guy that would call a Taylor Ham for whatever reason. But, uh, yeah, it would be a lot cooler if he called a poor call, Dan Quinn, no doubt. So, uh, you know, it's not too late to change your mind. Yeah. I, it was when I arrived right at the hotel where Steven was supposed to speak. And the Cowboys all got off the bus. And it was all the coaches and everybody. McCarthy wasn't with them. And it was Dan Quinn. And I approached him and I said, Coach Quinn, you're from New Jersey, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. Is it a Taylor ham sandwich or a pork roll sandwich? And he said, of course, it's a Taylor ham. There you go. So Now, my more important question for you, though, I know I gave you a place that, whatever you want to call it, had it on the menu there in Indianapolis. So, we all want to know, of course, if you get to try a pork roll slash Taylor ham, cough, asterisk, pork, uh, actually call a pork roll sandwich while you were in Indy. So it was a little disappointing. But, uh, you know, and here's what's disappointing. I texted Jason Garrett after that, and then he didn't say anything. That's what's disappointing to me. Man, so didn't get to try it and got left on red by Jason Garrett. Yeah, I know. So that's why we better end the show is because, oh, I can follow up with Jason Garrett, figure out if it's a Taylor Ham or a pork roll sandwich. So you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Mark Lane. Follow Sean at Sean Martin NFL. Subscribe to the Hidden Yardage Podcast on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher. So there it is. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today